for I am tormented in this flame. Indeed, the reason why the poor world do not so earnestly desire mercy is partly because they do not so seriously consider the torment that they must certainly fall into if they die out of Christ. For let me tell you, did but poor souls indeed consider that wrath that doth by right fall to their shares because of their sins against God, they would make more haste to God through Christ for mercy than they do. Then we should have them say, It is a good closing with Christ today before we fall into such distress. But why is it said, Let him dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue? Because that, as the several members in the body have their share in sin and committing of that, so the several members of the body shall at that time be punished for the same. Therefore, when Christ is admonishing his disciples that they should not turn aside from him, and that they should rather fear and dread the power of their God than another power, he saith, Fear him, therefore, that can cast both body and soul into hell. And again, fear him that can destroy both body and soul in hell. Here is not one member only, but all the body, the whole body of which the hands, feet, eyes, ears, and tongue are members. And I am persuaded that though this may be judged carnal by some now, yet it will appear to be a truth then to the greater misery of those who shall be forced to undergo that which God in his just judgment shall inflict upon them. Oh, then they will cry, one drachm of these for my cursing, swearing, lying, jeering, tongue. Some ease for my bragging, brazing, flattering, threatening, dissembling, tongue. Now men can let their tongues run at random, as we used to say. Now they will be apt to say, Our tongues are our own. Who shall control them? Psalm 12:4. But then they will be in another mind. Then, oh, that I might have a little ease for my deceitful tongue. Me thinks sometimes to consider how some men do let their tongues run at random. It makes me marvel. Surely they do not think they shall be made to give an account for their offending with their tongue. Did they but think they shall be made to give an account to him who is ready to judge the quick and the dead, surely they would be more wary of and have more regard to their tongue. The tongue, saith James, is an unruly member, full of deadly poison, is set upon fire the whole frame of nature, and is set on fire of hell. The tongue, how much mischief will it stir up in a very little time? How many blows and wounds doth it cause? How many times doth it, as James saith, curse man? How oft is the tongue made the conveyor of that hellish poison that is in the heart, both to the dishonor of God, the hurt of its neighbors and the utter ruin of its own soul. And do you think the Lord will sit still, as I may say, and let thy tongue run as it lifts, and yet never bring you to an account for the same? No, stay. The Lord will not always keep silence, but will reprove thee, and set thy sins in order before thine eyes. O sinner, yea, and thy tongue together with the rest of thy members shall be tormented for sinning. And I say, I am very confident that though this be made light of now, yet the time is coming when many poor souls will rue the day that ever they did speak with a tongue. O will one say, 
that I should so disregard my tongue, or that I, when I said so-and-so, had before bitten off my tongue, that I had been born without a tongue, my tongue, my tongue, a little water to cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame, even in that flame which my tongue, together with the rest of my members by sinning, have brought me to. Poor souls will now let their tongue say anything for a little profit, for two pence or three pence gain. But oh, what a grief will this be at that day, when they, together with their tongue, must mark for that which they by their tongues have done while they were in this world. Then you that love your souls, look to your tongues, lest you bind yourselves down so fast to hell with the sins of your tongue, that you will never be able to get loose again to all eternity. For by thy words thou shalt be condemned, if thou have not a care of thy tongue. For I say unto you that for every idle word that man shall speak, he shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. Luke 16, verse 25. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime received thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. These words are the answer to the request of the damned. The first before, as I told you, is a discovery of the desires that they have after they depart this world. Here is the answer, Son, remember. The answer signifies thus much, that instead of having any relief or ease, they are hereby the more tormented, and that by fresh recollections, or by bringing afresh their former ill-spent life while in the world into their remembrance. Son, remember, thou hast good things in thy lifetime. As much as if he had said, Thou art now sensible what it is to lose thy soul. Thou art now sensible what it is to put off repentance. Thou art now sensible that thou hadst befooled thyself, and that thou didst spend that time in seeking after outward momentary earthly things, which thou shouldst have spent seeking to make Jesus Christ sure to thy soul. And now, through thy anguish of spirit and the pains of hell, thou wouldst enjoy that which in former time thou didst make light of. But alas, thou art here beguiled and altogether disappointed. Thy crying will now avail thee nothing at all. This is not the acceptable time. This is not a time to answer the desires of damned reprobates. If thou hast cried out in good earnest while grace was offered, much might have been, but then thou wast careless, and didst turn the forbearance and goodness of God into wantonness. Wast thou not told that those who would not hear the Lord when he did call should not be heard, if they turned away from him when they did call? But contrarywise he would laugh at their calamity, and mock when their fear did come. Now therefore, instead of expecting the least drop of mercy and favor, call into thy mind how thou didst spend those days which God did permit thee to live. I say, remember that in thy lifetime thou didst behave thyself rebelliously against the Lord, and that thou wert careless of his word and ordinances, yea, and of the welfare of thine own soul also. Therefore, now I say, instead of expecting or hoping for any relief, thou must be forced to call to remembrance thy filthy ways, and feel upon them to thine everlasting astonishment and confusion.
From these words, therefore, which say, Remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, there are these things to be taken notice of. Number one, they that by putting off repentance and living in their sins lose their soul shall, instead of having the least measure of comfort when they come into hell, have their ill-spent life always very fresh in their remembrance. While they live here, they can sin and forget it. But when they depart, they shall have it before them. They shall have a remembrance of their memory notably enlightened, and a clearer and a continual sight of all their wicked practices that they wrought and did while they were in the world. Son, remember, saith he. Then you will be made to remember how you were born in sin and brought up in the same. Remember how thou hadst many a time the gospel preached to thee for taken away of the same by him whom the gospel does hold forth. Remember that out of love to thy sins and lust thou did turn thy back on the tenders of the same gospel of good tidings and peace. Remember that the reason why you did lose your soul was because you did not close in with free grace and the tenders of a loving and free-hearted Jesus Christ. Remember how near thou wast to turning at such and such a time, only thou wast willing to give way to thy lust when they wrought, to drunkards when they called, to pleasures when they proffered themselves, to the cares and encumbrances of the world, which, like so many thorns, did choke that or those convictions that were set on thy heart. Remember how willing thou wast to satisfy thyself with an hypocrite's hope, and with a notion of the things of God, without the real power and life of them. Remember how thou, when thou wast admonished to turn, didst put off turning and repenting till another time. Remember how thou didst dissemble at such a time, lie at such a time, cheat thy neighbor at such a time, mock, flout, scoff, taunt, hate, persecute the people of God at such a time, in such a place, among such a company. Remember that while others were met together in the fear of the Lord to seek Him, thou wast met with a company of vain companions to sin against Him. While the saints were a-praying, thou wast a-cursing. While they were speaking good of the name of God, thou wast speaking evil of the saints of God. Oh, then thou shalt have a scalding hot remembrance of all thy sinful thoughts, words, and actions, from the very first to the last of them, that ever thou dost commit in all thy lifetime. Then thou wilt find that scripture to be a truth. Deuteronomy 28, 65-67 The Lord shall give thee there a trembling heart, and filling of eyes, and sorrow of mind. And thy life shall hang in doubt before thee, and thou shalt fear day and night, and shall have none assurance of thy life. In the morning thou shalt say, Would to God it were evening. For the fear of thine heart wherewith thou shalt fear, and for the sight of thine eyes which thou shalt see. Nay, thou shalt find worse things to thy woe than the scripture doth manifest. For indeed there is no tongue able to express the horror, terror, torment, and eternal misery that those poor souls shall undergo without the least mitigation of ease. A very great part of it shall come from that quick, full, and continual remembrance of their sins that they shall have. And therefore there is much weight in these words. Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime hadst thy good things. 
From these words you see this to be observed, that the ungodly shall remember or have in remembrance the misspending their lies. Remember that in thy lifetime thou hadst thy good things. You may take these words good things either simply for the things of this world, which in themselves are called and may be called good things, or else with these words, namely, the things of this life, all the pleasures, delights, profits, and vanities, which the ignorant people of the world do count their good things, and do very much cheer themselves therewith. Soul, soul, eat, drink, and be merry, for thou hast much good laid up for many years. Luke 12, verse 20. Now I say, God, according to his glorious power and wisdom, will make poor creatures have always in their minds a fresh and clear remembrance of their ill-spent life. He will say unto them, Remember, remember, that in thy lifetime it was thus and thus with thee, and in thy lifetime thy carriage was so and so, if sinners might have their choice, they would not have their sins and transgressions so much in the remembrance as is evident by their carriages here in this world, for they will not endure to entertain a serious thought of their filthy life. They put far away the evil day, and labor by all means to put the thoughts of it out of their mind. But there they shall be made to remember to purpose, and to think continually of their ungodly deeds. And therefore it is said, that when our Lord Jesus Christ comes to judgment, it will be to convince the ungodly world of their wicked and ungodly deeds. Mark, to convince them. They will not willingly take notice of them now, but then they shall hereafter, in spite of their teeth, for those that die out of Christ shall be made to see, acknowledge, and confess their guilt, do as they can, when they lift up their eyes in hell and remember their transgressions. God will be a swift witness against them, and will say, Remember what thou didst in thy lifetime, ha, friend. If thou dost not in these days of light remember the days of darkness, the days of death, hell, and judgment, thou shalt be made in the days of darkness, death, hell, and the judgment too, to remember the days of the gospel, and how thou disregard them too, to thine own destruction and everlasting misery. This is intimated in the 25th of St. Matthew. Remember that in thy lifetime thou receivest thy good things. The great God, instead of giving the ungodly an ease, will even aggravate their torments, first by slighting their perplexities, and by telling of them what they must be thinking of. Remember, saith he, O ye lost souls, that you had your joy in your lifetime, your peace in your lifetime, your comforts, delights, ease, wealth, health, your heaven, your happiness, and your portion in your lifetime. O miserable state, thou wilt then be in a sad condition indeed when thou shalt see that thou hast had thy good things, thy best things, thy pleasant things, for that is clearly signified in these words. Remember that thou in thy lifetime hadst thy good things, or all the good things thou art like to have. From whence take notice of another truth, though it be a dreadful one, 
which is this. There are many poor creatures who have all their good, sweet, and comfortable things in this life while they are alive in this world. Remember, saith he, that in thy lifetime thou hast thy good things. The wicked's good things will shortly have an end. They will last no longer with them than this life or their lifetime. That scripture was not written in vain. It is like the crackling of thorns under a pot. Makes a little blaze for a sudden, a little heat for a while, but come and consider them by and by, and instead of a comfortable heat you will find nothing but a few dead ashes, and instead of a flaming fire, nothing but a smell of smoke. There is a time coming that the ungodly would be glad of a better portion, when they shall see the vanity of this, that is, when they shall see what a poor thing it is for a man to have his portion in this world. It is true, while they are here on this side hell, they think there is nothing to be compared with riches, honors, and pleasures in this world, which make them cry out, Who will show us any good that is comparable to the pleasures, profits, and glory of this world? world. But then they will see there is another thing that is better and of a more value than ten thousand worlds. And seriously, friends, will it not grieve you, trouble, perplex, and torment you, when you shall see that you lost heaven for a little pleasure and profit in your lifetime? Certainly it will grieve you and perplex you exceedingly to see what a blessed heaven you left for a dunghill world. Oh, that you did but believe this, that you did but consider this, and say within yourselves, What? Shall I be contented with my portion in this world? What? What shall I lose heaven for this world? I say, consider it while you have daylight and gospel light, while the Son of God doth hold out terms of reconciliation to you, lest you be made to hear such a voice as this. Son, remember that in thy lifetime thou receivest thy good things, thy comforts, thy joys, thy ease, thy peace, and all the heaven thou art like to have. O oh, poor heaven, O oh, short pleasures, what a pitiful thing it is to be left in such a case. Soul, consider, is it not miserable to lose heaven for twenty, thirty, or fifty years sinning against God? When thy life is done, thy heaven is done also. When death comes to separate thy soul and body, in that day also thou must have thy heaven and happiness separated from thee, and thou from that. Consider these things betimes, lest thou have thy portion in thy lifetime. For if in this life only we have our portion, we are of all people the most miserable. Again, consider that when other men, the saints, are to receive their good things, then thou hast had thine. When others are to enter into joy, then thou art to leave and depart from thy joy. When others are to go to God, thou must go to the devil. O oh, miserable, thou hast better never have been born than to be an heir of such a portion. Therefore, I say, have a care it be not thy condition. Remember that thou receivest thy good things and Lazarus evil things. Luke 16 verse 26. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would go from hence to you cannot, neither can they come to us that would come from thence. 
These words are still part of that answer that the souls in hell shall have for all the sobbing, sighings, grievous cries, tears, and desires that they have to be released out of those intolerable pains that they feel and are perplexed with. And oh, methinks the words at the first view, if rightly considered, are enough to make any hard-hearted sinner in the world to fall down dead. The verse I last spoke to was, and is a very terrible one, and aggravates of the torment of poor sinners wonderfully, where he saith, Remember that thou in thy lifetime hadst thy good things, and Lazarus his evil things, and so on. I say, these words are very terrible to those poor souls that die out of Christ. But these latter words do much more hold out their sorrow. They were spoken as to the present condition of the sinner. These do not only back the former, but do yet further aggravate their misery, holding forth that which will be more intolerable. The former verse is enough to smite any sinner into a swoon, but this is to make them fall down dead, where he saith, And besides all this, there is still something to aggravate thy misery yet far more abundantly. I shall briefly speak to the words as they have relation to the terror spoken of in the verses before. As if he had said, Thou thinkest the present state insupportable, it makes thee to rue the time that ever thou wert born. Now thou findest the lack of mercy, now thou wouldest leap at the least rockum of it, now thou feelest what it is to slight the tenders of the grace of God, now it makes thee to sob, sigh, and roar exceedingly for the anguish that thou art in. But besides all this, I have other things to tell thee of that will break thine heart indeed. Thou art now deprived of a being in the world. Thou art deprived of hearing the gospel. The devil hath been too hard for thee, and hath made thee miss of heaven. Thou art now in hell among an innumerable company of devils, and all thy sins beset thee round. Thou art all overwrapped in flames, and canst not have one drop of water to give thee any ease. Thou criest in vain, for nothing will be granted. Thou seest the saints in heaven, which is no small trouble to thy damned soul. Thou seest that neither God nor Christ takes any care to ease thee, or speak any comfort unto thee. But besides all this, there thou art like to lie. Never think of any ease, never look for any comfort. Repentance now will do thee no good. The time is past and can never be called again. Look, what thou hast now thou must have forever. It is true, I spoke enough before to break thine heart asunder, but besides all this, there lie and swim in flames forever. These words, besides all this, are terrible words indeed. I will give you the scope of them in a similitude. Set the case. You should take a man and tie him to a stake and with the red-hot pincers pinch off his flesh by little pieces for two or three years together, and at last, when the poor man cries out for ease and help, the tormentors answer, Nay, but besides all this, he must be handled worse. We will serve you thus these twenty years together, and after that we will fill your mangled body full of scalding lead, or run you through with a red-hot spit. 
Would not this be lamentable? Yet this is but a flea bite to the sorrow of those that go to hell. For if a man were served so, there would er, it were long be an end of him. But he that goes to hell shall suffer ten thousand times worse torments than these, and yet shall never be quite dead under them. There they shall ever be whining, pining, weeping, mourning, ever tormented without ease, and yet never dissolved into nothing. If the biggest devil in hell might pull thee all to pieces, and rend thee small as dust, and dissolve thee into nothing, thou wouldst count this a mercy. But here thou mayest lie, and fry, scorch, and broil, and burn forever. Forever! That is a long while, and yet it must be so long. Depart from me, saith Christ, into everlasting fire, into the fire that burns forever, prepared for the devil and his angels. O thou that wast loath to foul thy foot, if it were but dirtier, did but rain. Thou that wast loath to come out of the chimney corner, if the wind did but blow a little cold, and was loth to go half a mile, yea, half a furlong, to hear the word of God, if it were but a little dark. Thou that was loth to leave a few vain companions to edify thy soul, thou shalt have fire enough, thou shalt have night enough, and evil company enough, thy belly full, if thou miss of Jesus Christ. And besides all this, thou shalt have them forever and forever. O thou that dost spend whole nights in carding and dicing and rioting and wantonness, thou that countest it a brave thing to swear as fast as the bravest, to spin with the greatest spinthrift in the country thou lovest to sin in a corner when nobody sees thee O thou that for by ends dost carry on the hypocrite's profession because thou wouldst be counted somebody among the children of God but art an enemy to the things of Christ in thine heart thou that dost satisfy thyself either with sins or a bare profession of godliness thy soul will fall into extreme torments and anguish so soon as ever thou dost depart this world, and there thou shalt be weeping and gnashing thy teeth. And besides all this, thou art like never to have any ease or remedy, never look for any deliverance. Thou shalt die in thy sins, and be tormented as many years as there are stars in the firmament or sands on the seashore. And besides all this, thou must abide it forever." And besides all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they come to us that would come from thence. There is a great gulf fixed. You will say, What is that? Answer. It is a nice question. Therefore, first, seek thou rather to enter in at the straight gate than curiously to inquire what this gulf is. But secondly, if thou wouldst needs know, if thou do fall short of heaven, thou wilt find it this, namely, the everlasting decree of God. That is, there is a decree gone forth from God that those who fall short of heaven in this world, God has resolved that they shall never enjoy it in the world to come. And thou wilt find this skull so deep that thou shall never be able to wade through it as long as eternity lasts. 
as Christ saith, Agree with thine adversary quickly, while thou art in the way with him, lest he hail thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast into prison. I tell thee, thou shalt in no wise come out thence. There is a gulf, the decree, thou shalt not depart thence till thou hast paid the utmost farthing or very last might. These words, therefore, there is a great gulf fixed, I do understand to be the everlasting decree of God. God hath decreed that those who go to heaven shall never go from thence again to a worse place, and also those that go to hell and would come out, they shall not come out from thence again. And, friend, this is such a gulf, so fixed by him that cannot lie, that thou wilt find it so which way soever thou goest, whether it be to heaven or hell. Here, therefore, for thou seest how secure God will make those who die in the faith. God will keep them in heaven, but those that die in their sins, God will throw them to hell and keep them there, so that they would go from heaven to hell cannot, neither can they come from hell that would go to heaven. Mark. He doth not say they would not, for oh how fain would those who have lost their souls for a lust, for two pence, for a jug of ale, for an harlot, for this world, come out of that hot, scalding, fiery furnace of God's eternal vengeance, if they might. But here is their misery. They that would come from you to us, that is, from hell to heaven, cannot. They must not. They shall not. God has decreed it, and has resolved the contrary. Here, therefore, lies the misery, not so much that they are in hell, but there must lie forever and ever. Therefore, if thy heart would at any time tempt thee to sin against God, cry out, No, for then I must go to hell and lie there forever. If the drunkards, swearers, liars, and hypocrites do but take this doctrine soundly down, it would make them tremble when they think of sinning. The poor souls, now they will make a mock of sin and play with it as a child doth play with a rattle. But the time is coming that these rattles that now they play with will make such a noise in their ears and consciences that they shall find that if all the devils in hell were yelling at their heels, the noise would not be comparable to it. Friend, thy sins as so many bloodhounds will first hunt thee out, and then take thee, and bind thee, and hold thee down forever. They will gripe thee and gnaw thee as if thou hast a nest of poisonous serpents in thy bowels. And this will not be for a time, but as I have said, forever, forever, forever. Luke 16, verse 27. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. These words are, if I may so say, a reason given by those in hell why they are so restless and do cry so aloud. It is that their companions might be delivered from those intolerable torments which they must and shall undergo if they fall short of everlasting life by Jesus Christ. Send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, and so on. Though while they lived among them in the world, they were not so sensible of their ruin, yet now they are passed out of the world, and do partake of that which they were before warned of. They can, I say, then cry out. 
Now I find that to be true indeed, which was once and again told and declared to me that it would certainly come to pass. For I have five brethren. Here you may see that there may be in our whole households in a damnable state and condition, as our Lord Jesus doth by this signify, send him to my father's house, for they are all in one state. I left all my brethren in a pitiful case. People while they live here cannot endure to hear that they should be all in a miserable condition, but when they are under the wrath of God they see it, they know it, and are very sure of it, for they themselves when they were in the world lived as they do, but they fell short of heaven, and therefore if they go on, so shall they. Oh, therefore, send quickly to my father's house, for all the house is in an undone condition, and must be damned if they continue so. The thing observable is this, namely, that those that are in hell do not desire that their companions should not come thither, nay, rather, saith he, send him to my father's house, and let him testify to them that are therein, lest they also come, and so on. Question. But some may say, what would be the reason that the damned should desire not to have their companions come into the same condition that they are fallen into, but rather that they might be kept from it and escape that dreadful state? Answer. I do believe there is scarce so much love in any of the damned in hell as really to desire the salvation of any, but in that there is any desire in them that are damned that their friends and relations should not come into that place of torment, it appears to me to be rather for their own ease than for their neighbor's good. For let me tell you, this I do believe, that it will aggravate the grief and horror of them to see their ungodly neighbors in the like destruction with them. For where the ungodly do live and die and descend into the pit together, the one is rather a vexation to the other than anything else. And it must needs be so, because there are no ungodly people that so live ungodly together, but they do learn ill examples one of another. As thus, if there live one in the town that is very expert and cunning for the world, why now the rest that are of the same mind with him, they will labor to imitate and follow his steps. This is commonly seen. Yea, if thou shouldest die and go to hell before thy neighbors or companions, besides the guilt of thine own sins, thou wouldst be so loaded with the fear of the damnation of others to be laid to thy charge, that thou wouldst cry out, O oh, send one from the dead to this companion and that companion with whom I have had society in my lifetime, for I see my cursed carriage will be one cause of his condemnation if he falls short of glory. I left him living in a foul and heinous offense, but I was one of the first instruments to bring him there. Oh, I shall be guilty both of my own and his damnation too. Oh, that he might be kept out hence, lest my torments be aggravated by his coming here. For where ungodly people do dwell together, they being a snare and stumbling block one to another by their practice, they must be a torment one to another and an aggravation of each other's damnation. Oh, cursed be thy 
thy face, saith one, that ever I set mine eyes on thee. It was along with thee I may thank thee. It was thee that did entice me and ensnare me. It was your filthy conversation that was a stumbling block to me. It was your covetousness. It was your pride, your haunting the alehouse, your gaming and whoring. It was along of you that I fell short of life. If you had set me a good example, as you had set me an ill one, it may be I might have done better than now I do. But I learned of you. I followed your steps. I took counsel of you. Oh, that I had never seen your face. Oh, that you had never been born to do my soul this wrong as you have done. Oh, saith the other, and I may as much blame you, for do you not remember how at such a time, and at such a time, you drew me out and drew me away, and asked me if I would go with you when I was going about other business, about my calling, but you called me away, you sent for me, you are as much in fault as I. Though I were covetous, you were proud, and if you learn covetous of me, I learn pride and drunkenness of you, though I learn you to cheat, you learn me to whore, to lie, to scoff at goodness, though I, base wretch, did stumble you in some things, you did as much stumble me in others, I can blame you as you blame me, and if I have to answer for some of your most filthy actions, you have to answer for some of mine, I would you had not come here, the very looks of you do wound my soul by bringing my sins afresh into my mind, the time when, the manner how, the place where, the persons with whom it was with you, you grieve to my soul. Since I could not shun thy company there, oh, that I had been without thy company here. While men live here, if they can be counted the cunningest and cheating, the boldest for lying, the subtlest for coveting and getting the world, if they can cunningly defraud, undermine, cross, and anger their neighbors, yea, and hinder them from the means of grace, the gospel of Christ, they glory in it, take a pride in it, and think themselves pretty well at ease, and their minds are somewhat quiet, being beguiled with sin. But, friend, when thou hast lost this life, and dost begin to lift up thine eyes in hell, and seest what thy sins have brought thee to, and not only so, but that thou by thy filthy sins didst cause others, devil-like, to fall into the same condemnation with you, and that one of the reasons for their damnation was this, that you did lead them to the commission of those wicked practices of this world, and the lust thereof, then oh, that somebody would stop them from coming, lest also they come into this place of torment and be damned as I am, how will it torment me? Balaam could not be contented to be damned himself, but also he must by his wickedness cause others to stumble and fall. The scribes and Pharisees could not be content to keep out of heaven themselves, but they must labor to keep out others too. Therefore theirs is the greater damnation. The deceived cannot be content to be deceived himself, but he must labor to deceive others also. The drunkard cannot be content to go to hell for his sins, but he must labor to cause others to fall into the same furnace with him. But look to yourselves, for here will be damnation upon damnation. Damn for thine own sins, and damn for thy being partakers with others in their sins, and damn for being guilty of the damnation of others. Oh, how will the drunkards cry? 
cry for leading their neighbors into drunkenness? How will the covetous person howl for setting his neighbor, his friend, his brother, his children and relations so wicked an example by which he hath not only wronged his own soul, but also the souls of others? The liar by lying teaches others to lie. The swearer teaches others to swear. The whoremonger teaches others to whore. Now all of these, with others of the like sort, will be guilty not only of their own damnation, but of others. I tell you that some men have so much been the authors of the damnation of others, that I am ready to think that the damnation of them will trouble them as much as their own damnation. Some men, it is to be feared, the day of judgment will be found to be the authors of destroying whole nations. How many souls do you think Balaam, with his deceit, will have to answer for? How many Mohammed? How many the Reverend Moon? How many, how many Joseph Smith? How many Herbert Armstrong, how many of the Pharisees that hired the soldiers to say the disciples stole away Jesus, and by that means stumbled their brethren to this day, and was one means of binding them from believing the things of God and Jesus Christ, and so the cause of the damnation of their brethren to this very day. How many poor souls hath Bonner to answer for, thank you, and several filthy blind priests? How many souls have they been the means of destroying by their ignorance and corrupt doctrine, preaching that was no better for their souls than rats bane to the body for filthy lucre's sake. They shall see that they, many of them, it is to be feared, will have whole towns to answer for, whole cities to answer for. Ah, friend, I tell thee, thou that hast taken in hand to preach to the people, it may be thou hast taken in hand, thou canst not tell what. Will it not grieve thee to see thy whole parish come bellowing after thee to hell, crying out? This we may thank thee for, this is the long of thee, thou didst not teach us the truth. Thou dost lead us away with fables. Thou wast afraid to tell us of our sins, lest we should not put meat fast enough into thy mouth. O cursed wretch, that ever thou shouldst beguile us thus, deceive us thus, flatter us thus. We should have gone out to hear the word abroad, but that thou didst reprove us, and tell us that that which we see now is the way of God, was heresy and a deceivable doctrine, and was not contented, blind guide as thou wert, to fall into the ditch thyself, but has also led us there with thee. I say, look to yourself, lest thou cry when it is too late, send Lazarus to my people, my friends, my children, my congregation to whom I preached and beguiled through my folly, send him to the town in which I did preach last, lest I be the cause of their damnation, send him to my friends from whence I came, lest I be made to answer for their souls and mine too. Consider and regard these things, and lay them to thy heart, before it be too late to recover thyself by repenting of the one and desiring to close in with the other. Oh, I say, regard, regard, for hell is hot. God's hand is up. The law is resolved to discharge against thy soul. The judgment day is at hand. The graves are ready to fly open. The trumpet is near the sounding. The sentence will ere long be past, and then you and I cannot call time again. This Reformation audio track is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. 
SWRB makes thousands of classic Reformation resources available, free and for sale, in audio, video, and printed formats. Our many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog, containing thousands of classic and contemporary Puritan and Reformed books, tapes, and videos at great discounts, is on the web at www.swrb.com. We can also be reached by email at swrb at swrb.com, by phone at 780-450-3730, by fax at 780-468-1096, or by mail at 4710-37A Avenue, Edmonton, that's E-D-M-O-N-T-O-N, Alberta, abbreviated capital A, capital B, Canada, T6L3T5. You may also request a free printed catalog. And remember that John Calvin, in defending the Reformation's regulative principle of worship, or what is sometimes called the scriptural law of worship, commenting on the words of God, which I commanded them not, neither came into my heart, from his commentary on Jeremiah 7.31, writes, God here cuts off from men every occasion for making evasions, since he condemns by this one phrase, I have not commanded them, whatever the Jews devised. There is then no other argument needed to condemn superstitions than that they are not commanded by God. For when men allow themselves to worship God according to their own fancies, and attend not to his commands, they pervert true religion. And if this principle was adopted by the Papists, all those fictitious modes of worship in which they absurdly exercise themselves would fall to the ground. It is indeed a horrible thing for the Papists to seek to discharge their duties towards God by performing their own superstitions. There is an immense number of them, as it is well known, and as it manifestly appears. Were they to admit this principle, that we cannot rightly worship God except by obeying his word, they would be delivered from their deep abyss of error. The prophet's words, then, are very important when he says that God had commanded no such thing and that it never came to his mind, as though he had said that men assume too much wisdom when they devise what he never required, nay, what he never knew.